Renegades. Check it out. I want to let you know something. Before I had a podcast, I so badly wanted a podcast, but my brain with all of its thinking thoughts was like, you don't know how to do that. And that sounds like a lot of work. Well, guess what? It wasn't once I found out about Anchor. Anchor allows for you to record your podcast. It's super easy. You just use their platform. They distribute it to all of your other platforms like Apple, Spotify, Stitch. And um, let me tell you, one thing I did learn, there's a lot of platforms out there and you do not want to sit around taking your time uploading your episodes one by one. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast from your phone. Right now, I'm recording this from my phone. Not to mention the tools like the music, like intro music and little sound effects. Like, how fun is that? It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go now. If you're at least, if you've ever thought, I want a podcast, I'm telling you, it's really this e- easy. Anchor.fm. Go to the Anchor app on your phone or go to anchor.fm and make it happen. I did it. You can definitely do it. You are listening to Dressing Room Confessions, an intimate conversation about life in all of its glorious mess. Oh my God, that sounds so generic. Please. This is your host, Ashley Kelsch. Each week, we will be going behind the curtain and we will uncover to discover just what keeps all of us moving forward, even though we don't want to sometimes. Hello, hello, hello. This is Ashley, your host of Dressing Room Confessions, and I'm here with you today for episode number five on this modern Monday. Uh, Before I get into the podcast and talk to you guys about all the things I feel like talking about, I want to let you know that my website is up, www.ashleymkelsch.com. It's my full name with my middle initial, ashleymkelsch.com, and I would love for y'all to check it out. You can find my podcast there, the journal there. Uh, I'm going to start pulling stories from other people, true stories, and posting them there so that when people don't feel like recording, we can read about it. Okay. Anyway, that is all I wanted you to know. Enough of that. This week, I have a little lesson for you about the usual suspects. Yes, the usual suspects. I have to admit, I'm kind of laughing at myself, and some of you may join me, because when I was writing about the things that I do to escape or go for instant gratification, I decided to call them and refer to them as the usual suspects, and my brain was like, why does that sound so familiar? Oh yeah, Kevin Spacey, that movie. And then immediately the thought was overridden with no silly. The usual suspects were a collection of dildos and vibrators that you used to sell at Teddy's for Betty's. And then I was like, duh, God, of course that's how I know that name. Anyway, I'm easily entertained and can never stop thinking about that stuff. That stuff being sex toys, apparently. All right. Anyway, so check it out. I was talking to a friend last week and they asked me how I was doing. And before I knew it, I threw up a response that even for me was not only long, but seemingly strange. I said, I'm okay. It's weird. I'm feeling really good about my days and schedule right now. But every morning for a few hours, I'm experiencing waves of anxiety and I'm forced to sit with it. I'm realizing it must be from the fact that I don't have a boyfriend around to preoccupy my time and I'm not drinking to take the edge off. 
I mean, I'm just literally really being forced to sit with myself. I have zero buffers to distract me from me. My kids are kind of doing their own thing. I think I'm used to worrying about what everyone else is doing around me, right or wrong. And it has allowed me to avoid what I need to be doing or could be doing. I'm barely working out. I'm not eating flour or sweets. I'm not overworking. I have a lot of extra time in my day. And it's like the volume of my committee has turned up and it's trying to serve me like, you know, solutions, forms of instant gratification as ways to reward and rid myself of this anxiety. And that's really showing me what my usual suspects are. So saying all of this out loud to my friend allowed me to hear myself and see where my brain actually was. I was becoming conscious, waking up, if you will, to my thoughts and experiencing my emotions, both positive and negative. In the moments of discomfort, I could see my brain's inclination or impulse to avoid or escape. Through this discovery, I realized three things. Contrary to popular belief, choosing to feel and experience my emotions won't kill me. Who knew? Anxiety isn't an end all. Two, I've been able to identify my personal usual, my personal usual suspects where my brain goes when it's on autopilot, what I'm prone to chase to escape from feeling and get some of those dopamine hits. And lastly, three, I'm approaching a position to manage my mind and thoughts in a way that I never knew was possible. Okay, so before I get into my personal usual suspects and make this all about me, let's go over a list of what some common ones might look like. And maybe some will resonate with you. Overeating, overdrinking, constantly checking our phones, say social media, porn, overspending, relationships, binging on Netflix, sex, masturbation, shopping, gossiping, affairs, basically anything that provides a false sense of pleasure that you are seeking. These usual suspects are our brain's way of avoiding feeling, say sad, bored, or lonely, because that may be like death. And the safer, better options would be have a drink, check social media for likes, go buy something, eat deliciousness, any outside experience that will reward us with dopamine and remove us from our river of suck. Probably the most common and socially acceptable usual suspects are the overeating and drinking and, you know, sure, shopping and social media. There's a lot of common ones. God knows that a majority of marketing would have you believe that food and drink are the solutions to not feeling shitty and necessary to celebrate. Masturbation, that's a sneaky little fucker. Does anyone else ever find themselves working a deadline and you can't force yourself to focus and the next thing you know you're in bed with the magic wand? That one gets me every damn time. Call that procrastination via masturbation. Well, P.S. Not this time. I didn't stop once while preparing this podcast to get off and that, my friends, is truly um, its a massive result in personal growth. I don't even care. <laughs> I just told you all that. The downside to seeking this type of reward is that the high doesn't last long. It's like a net negative return, actually. Over time, you will need more consumption to get the high, but worse, you avoid feeling whatever discomfort you are experiencing in the present moment and start stacking new, uncomfortable feelings on top. Think of it like cake with several layers. You have the emotion you don't want to feel as the base or foundation. You tell yourself, that cake needs some frosting, in this case, wine. So you layer it on there. The next day when you wake up, you're hungover. You add another layer of cake called regret on top of the previous layer that you still haven't eaten slash processed. And so you slather more frosting on top and mentally spin out about how 
big and calorie loaded the cake is becoming. Now you don't want the cake. You want to throw the whole fucking thing out and avoid it altogether rather than sinking your teeth into any of it. Anyway, maybe that's not the best metaphor, but hopefully by the time you've heard about a few of my fake hit it before you quit it dopamine rushes that keep me out of myself and on the highway to hell, you'll understand just what I'm talking about. Oh, and so we're clear. These are my current, probably longest lasting go-to, go-to usual suspects. Eating disorders, having affairs, workout bulimia, gossiping with friends, drugs to escape, arguing with family members, overspending, talking shit about people have all made my list at one time or another. But I've given these three specific ones more time and space in my brain than I'd actually care to admit. All right, here we go. Number one, men. Yes, men. This one is twofold for me, meaning regardless if I'm dating one person or many, I'm 100% mentally consumed by men. Or should I say, the idea of being with one. Little did I know that this usual suspect has been with me since I was a little girl. I should have known, but it only recently occurred to me that not everyone thinks this way. At least that's what my therapist told me when I went to him crying. I mean, is it always about a guy? Does everyone think this way? I'd like to start by blaming it on the fact that we've all been told the story that someday you will find love and it will save your soul. Your life will be complete when you meet the right, in my case, man. Ever since I was little, I imagined this day, meeting the man that would make it all seem okay. I would fantasize about living together and play house and be a wife. As I got older, say like middle school, I would lay in bed at night with my arms wrapped around my body, stroking my shoulder and arm, and pretend that it was my husband caressing me. <laughs> Laugh all you want. It's the truth. I would literally fall asleep like this, which is you know, super weird because as an adult, I am not a snuggler. I mean, you can rub my back and like tickle touch my arms, but do not hold me. Like I'm, I need that space. And I actually pride myself on letting people know that there are two things that go on, my go on in my bed. One is sleeping. And I will let you guess what the other one is. So I've made a career out of finding someone to be in a relationship with. I've treated it like a job. I never would have said it that way before, but when I look back, God, it's so obvious. Once I found, quote unquote, the one, or excuse me, I found the quote unquote one, I immediately started, I start thinking, when will we not see other people? I start planning the conversations with the person and even the people I need to let know I'm locking it down with someone else. Naturally, I'm seeking advice from my girlfriends. Once we are monogamous, my mind starts planning the next steps. When should I meet the kids? Should we start having sleepovers? Maybe dinner together. Oh, it's been a year. We should talk about living together. And so it goes. I advance every stage, accomplish it, get a high. And once I've reached a place of no more peaks, I slowly start my descent until I've demoted myself straight out of the relationship. I'm emotionally drained and exhausted by this point. And I believe I want time to myself to heal, work on me, focus on work, spend time with my kids. But because my brain thinks it knows what we need to survive, the idea of dating, finding the one, sounds necessary. That's what will make me happy. What an exciting feeling to find the one. I want more of that. So my brain starts reveling in all sorts of dopamine hits by ways of first meetings, waiting to hear 
from them, wondering, hoping, dreading, planning, texting, getting together, all the things. I mean, this is even, this is so ridiculous. My brain in Whole Foods, this is it right here. Get ready for it. I go into the grocery store and right away my mind says, will I lock eyes and feel my world change while I'm at the store today? Is the one here? Will he be in the checkout line while I'm in line buying similar organic produce? Or maybe he will be sweaty from a workout ordering a fresh pressed juice. Oh my God, it would make so much sense, you know, to meet the one at Whole Foods. It would just be so kismet. Really, Ashley? You're at the goddamn grocery store and because you were so preoccupied with being swept off your feet, you forgot to purchase half your list. And I have legit met a man at the food court and seen another at the juice bar that I was convinced I was supposed to marry. Like every cell in my body felt and saw our future together. And I fantasized about this, you guys, for like the longest time. And this is just two people that I've seen at Whole Foods. This isn't like all the other people I've ever seen. I, I can't even like get into it, but we don't have time. I didn't even realize how much I talked about guys until one day a friend pointed it out to me. I was embarrassed. <laughs> did, I, did I not have anything else to talk about? Was this the bar? Was finding a man an accomplishment or an accolade to define my success? My identity? Why is it always about a guy? And it turns out it's not about the guy. But my brain has been playing this game as a way to get me high and often define my worth for so long that I think it is. Recognizing that this is one of my usual suspects has given me a great opportunity to be curious about who I am and what I need to do to make myself happy. Letting go of these beliefs and managing my thoughts has freed up my mind and made room for me to feel alone, which is different than lonely. I'm not waiting for a response or an invite to my happiness from someone. I cannot begin to tell you how freeing that is. Usual suspect number two, to drink or not to drink. After not drinking for five and a half years, I decided to jump back in and give it a go. I couldn't spend another day of my life wondering if I had a drinking problem or if it was just in my head. I figured there was really only one way to find out and that was by doing. So I started enjoying wine with dinner. I'd have the occasional cocktail, wine on my couch. At first it was freeing and fun. I could finally let go of the thoughts around whether or not I had a problem. It was clearly not a problem. I didn't go out all night. I didn't stumble around my house. I wasn't looking for Coke to sober me up. What had I been worried about all those years? And y'all, I will tell you what, the feeling of that first half glass felt like immediate warmth, relaxation, a physical sigh in my body. I 100% subscribe to the notion, take the edge off. Life is stressful. And if all it takes is a glass of wine to relax, what's the big deal? I felt vindicated. Fuck, I have teenagers. I definitely, and then that's like the worst right there. I know we're all like moms blaming their kids for drinking, but I, def, I, I did use that as an excuse. So that really happened anyway. And even, I was even more excited to be meeting people for happy hours and hosting wine, hosting wine dinners and commiserating over hangovers. Like all of it just made me feel a little bit more alive than I had when I wasn't drinking. But then, like a slow fog rolling in, the thought shifted from this wasn't or isn't a problem to, 
what I can only really describe as a head game with myself that increased incrementally every day. I'd wake up in the mornings and ask myself first thing, did you or did you not drink last night? The answer started to define my day and my worth. I think it's important to know that we are talking about one to two glasses of wine with the occasional third. It was nothing crazy, but the amount didn't matter. Regardless of how little, I would literally tell myself, you suck before I even got out of bed. Every little thing that followed was made to mean something shitty about me because I drank. It's 9.30. You slept late because you drank too much and you're lazy. You didn't work out this morning. You rather drink and sleep than take care of yourself. I'd look in the mirror. Look how puffy you are. If you didn't drink wine, you'd look so much better. Your stomach is bloated. I'm not drinking tonight. Not for a few days. I can't keep doing this every day. I want a glass of wine. No, you're not drinking. Do you seriously not have the discipline to go one night? To not think about it? What's wrong with you? What are we making for dinner? Are we going out? Wine is so good with that. You said you weren't drinking. What does it really matter though? You only have like one or two. You act like you're an alcoholic. You need to go easy on yourself. No one else worries about a glass or two at dinner. If you feel like drinking, drink. Don't overthink it. Cooking's not the same without wine. The experience is just so much more. By this point, I surrender to the wine. That's better. God, can you feel your whole system relax? It's like you've been restricting every muscle in your body in an effort to restrict yourself from drinking. Look how much better you feel when you just accept that wine is okay. You don't even drink that much. This is what people do. By the time I'm on my second glass, I start to see myself almost outside myself and the voice kicks in. Don't drink too fast. Does your voice sound funny? Does it look weird that you're the only one drinking? How much have you had? Maybe just a little bit more. Wait, wait, wait. No, save the second half of the bottle for tomorrow. You'll regret having more than two glasses. Then I wake up in the middle of the night or have weird dreams where I can still hear myself thinking, why did you drink? You're going to be hungover and not want to get up get some water. You better get up and run so you can sweat it out. And then I wake up and I start at the beginning of the slot loop and repeat it. By everyday textbook standards, I would not, nor would you, identify me as an alcoholic. What's fucked up about this is that I found myself telling people close to me that it would be easier to quit drinking wine if it was an obvious problem. If I was blacking out or so drunk at night that my kids were complaining, I would quit right away. There's none of that. The problem is so in my head. It's like my own personal hell, a hell that I can access at any hour of the day. No amount of thought swapping makes it better. And then the lights came on. I use drinking as a form of self-harm. I use it to tell myself each day how bad I suck, that my body is bloated, I have no discipline, I'm gross, I'm not good enough, I'm going to struggle for the rest of my life. So much for that relaxed dopamine hit, by the way. When I paused and recognized this behavior, I suddenly felt sad, like deeply sad, that I was being so mean to me. Of course, we hear the question, would you talk to your friend that way? But I'm taking it beyond that. Why would I want to talk to myself that way? Why am I looking for ways to cut myself down? To prove once again I'm not good enough? Not even in my own company? I'm exhausted playing the mental tug-of-war game each day. Not only do I know that I deserve to be treated better, I want to treat myself better. I want to feel good each day. And if all I have to do is remove alcohol from my life to not get mind fucked, let it be gone. 
The feeling of reward I get each day from not drinking far exceeds the relief of the first drink, and it only keeps compounding each day. The appreciation of choosing me over the drink is new, but pretty easy. It's almost too easy, actually. When it comes up, I'm happy to say no. I don't feel like being mean to me today. I know I will love me more tomorrow, and making that choice to choose me is magic. This has shown me what delayed gratification is and how much more rewarding it feels. This has, of course, freed up a massive amount of time in my day and in my mind. I do not consider whether or not I'll be drinking. By unsubscribing, I've eliminated a ton of overwhelm. All right, the third one, consumption of social media, emails, texts, basically anything on my phone. And God, I mean, I struggle with this one. I can get absolutely nothing done in my day, but feel so fucking productive from checking all my apps and responding to messages. It's pretty amazing, actually, because the opposite is happening. I check my social media or email and find myself consuming whatever content is in front of me rather than creating content or tackling actionable items on my never-ending list of to-dos. My auto-response to pick up my phone feels so natural that I don't even notice it happening. Lately, though, I'll open up my email, check it, go into Instagram, check it, go back to my email to check it, and realize a moment too late that it looks all too familiar, that it didn't change because I just checked it in the past like two minutes, that I'm not really checking my email. I'm just hanging out with one of my usual suspects. The minute I sense I'm not on my phone, my brain will insist we need to grab it and open it up. Why? What the fuck could I have possibly, what could have happened in the last seven minutes that I need to know? Nothing has. Except except that I've shown myself that I'm unable to sit at a red light in its entirety without checking to see if anyone wants anything or likes something. It triggers all sorts of thought loops. Like everything I've been talking about thus far and can send me reacting seven different ways to Sunday. Thoughts and things like, I'm done with Instagram. I'm not going to use it anymore. Only to find myself spending an hour the next day planning a post and writing out a caption, looking for likes, getting high. I wake up in the morning and check all the things like it's actual news. I could probably get in a four to five mile run with the time I spend in bed scrolling. And the scrolling, which I'm convinced is a modern day TV surf, is me not really engaging, just mindlessly looking not absorbing any content. My brain feels the weirdest sensation when I do it. It's like a donut being covered in glaze. 30 minutes will go by before I snap out of it. I'll be on the phone talking to someone and I'll open the motherfucker up and scroll while they are talking. And I check my emails. I start deleting old ones. I'm refiling junk mail, unsubscribing from newsletters. All of this activity makes me think I'm being busy and productive, but it's a lie. I wouldn't surprise myself if my index finger starts to develop carpal tunnel or arthritis before I'm 40. Like, legit. I just look at it sometimes. I'm like, you poor thing. You're so, you're so active. But let's not forget, our primal brain is wired for reward. And you can easily get a squirt of the good stuff at any hour just by opening your phone. That's the dopamine your brain really likes. You barely have to do anything. It's just easy access. I'm trying to sit with the urge rather than replacing it with something else. Feeling like feeling what it's like in my body when I choose to not open my phone and consume and just be with that. After the urge passes, I move on. I focus on creating content rather than consuming it. All right, so I know some of you may be thinking like, well, this is so boring. What is life without the usual suspects? And I get it. 
It's fun to indulge in them and with them. But I'm starting to find out that it's even more fun to relish in delayed gratification. All of these things can be done and it not have to be about you avoiding life. I'm not suggesting that. I'm suggesting that we as humans often feel entitled to happiness. And when we are not happy, rather than experience a negative emotion, we hook up with the usual suspect. And when you do that, not only do you miss out on the human experience, you slowly begin digging yourself into a deeper hole. All right, y'all. If you were listening, then you caught my confessions. There were actually, there was more than one. I masturbate and procrastinate. And then there was also the one about my pretend husband caressing my arms at night when it was just really me and myself, which oddly may have been, is that a form of masturbation? I mean, I don't even really know if it would be. I wasn't like touching myself. It was just really like, like I said, it was just like caressing my arm or like moving my hair off my forehead. Like just tender little touches. It's so fucking crazy. Anyway, tune in next week for another episode of Dressing Room Confessions. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. That is a wrap with Dressing Room Confessions. Now listen up. I want to thank you for listening, but I have a favor. Uh, Just a tiny little favor. Head on over to the Anchor app. Download that. And when you do so, send me a message. Super easy. You'll see it on the homepage of my um, podcast. What do I want to hear? Well, I want to hear if you have any questions about what we just talked about or if you have any input or if there's something that maybe you want to talk about on my podcast. That is right. Are you looking to have an intimate conversation? I'd be way into it. What I don't want to hear is any sort of like aggressive or angry or you know, creepy input you may have. If that's the case, unsubscribe and move on. All right. I'll talk to you guys next week.